We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Let's give the Lord a bit of praise before you sit down. Do me a favor and look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made it. Well, I'm excited to be here this morning. <clears throat> it is always a blessing and an honor that I get to uh, spend time with you. Um, do you do you feel the same? Yes. Yes. I don't feel confident. Do you do you like being here? Like, is it is it good? <laughs> Amen. You got to beg for just a a compliment. Good Lord. I'm excited this morning to dive into God's Word. Um. We are in part three of Cutting Corners. <laughs> I don't know how you break a sermon in three parts, but we do those things at Truth Movement Church. It just kind of happens. Um, so let's turn to the book of Samuel. First Samuel, chapter 24, verse 1, New King James Version. <clears throat> First Samuel, chapter 24, the New King James Version. We'll start at verse 1. While you're going there, um, I'm going to give you just our, our two points from last week. Um, this is part three of a, a sermon. Uh, we're carrying on from last week. Our first point from last week was uh, to learn to resist emotional ambush. <coughs> Learning to resist emotional ambush. Excuse me. Um, whenever I allow my emotions, <coughs> excuse me, to ambush me, and I'm not aware of it, I will find myself moving in a direction that I will resist. I will regret that I went to that place. I will regret that I did it when I allow my emotions to push me and to make me move in a direction based upon it. Not that I wanted to go there, but my emotions took me there. It does not matter what part of your life or what avenue of your life or what category of your life you, you apply that to. You can apply that apply that to your relationships you can apply that to your finances whenever you move based upon your emotions you will find yourself doing something that you regret how many times have you said something that you regretted you just made me angry you just upset me and I say something that I regret <clears throat> Whenever you go to, 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 to purchase a car, whenever you go to the store, it is funny how much money companies, Fortune 500 companies, invest to make sure they pluck on your emotions because they want you to be emotionally attached to that shirt that just looks so good that you just got to have it. And it does not matter how much it costs I'm willing to pay for it because my emotions have taken me to a place that I didn't necessarily want to go. Whenever you allow yourself to be moved by emotions, they will always take you to a place that you regret. David was moved by the emotions of his men, and he moved in the direction of Saul, and he went and cut off a corner of his robe, and on the way back, he felt regret. Whenever you allow yourself to be moved by your emotions, you will find yourself doing something that you regret. Relationally. If I'm dating you and I, and I feel like we're going to get married one day and we're doing all these different things, but I allow my emotions to take me further than I want to go, I will find myself saying, 
why did I do that with you? Y'all real quiet in here today, and that's good. Whenever you allow your emotions to, 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 to make you move, you will find yourself doing something that you regret. I said last week that I always make sure that I go to a, um, whenever I got to buy a car, I take the emotion out. Because I bought a car emotionally one time, and it was the worst decision I ever made. The car was beautiful. It looked good on the lot. It was amazing. And I just had to have it, and I, get, I got that car. It was the worst car I ever had in my life. It was probably one of the pieces, one of the biggest pieces of eye candy I ever had. But it was the worst purchase I ever made. They had it clean when I pulled up. And you know how you vacuum the floor and it got lines in it? <laughs> and I opened the door. Oh, my God, and there's lights down there. And it has a symbol. Oh, I, emotionally, I was sold. And it was the biggest regret I ever had because I allowed my emotions to move me. Point number one last week is to learn to resist emotional ambush. Let's push it number two. Uh, number two was recognizing the deception of desire. Recognizing the deception of desire. I cannot want it so bad that I allow my want to take me outside of God's will. I can't want it so bad that I allow, uh, allow my want to take me outside of God's will. I was having this thought this morning. I was telling myself once, I don't spend too much time on these two points because we already talked about them. But I had another thought about this. We cannot give, we can't give birth to a lie and expect it to, 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 to perform as the truth. You cannot give birth to a lie and expect for it to perform as the truth. You remember the situation with Abraham? He had been promised a son, but he just couldn't wait. He wanted it so bad, he gave birth to a lie. So here's the thing. even though, You just don't be able to get rid of the lie. You got to deal with that lie. I got to deal with the lie and the truth in the same house. Y'all not listening to me. I got I to deal with the lie and the truth in the same house. I, 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 cannot, I, cannot, I cannot give birth to a lie and expect for it to perform as the truth. I can't roll up on a car lot, and I keep doing this because I want to be very simple. I can't roll up on a car lot and, and, and want the car so bad that I'm willing to pay a 20% interest rate on a car. That's not God. This is very simple, very practical stuff I'm giving you today. I can't want it that bad. Here, here's the thing. That, that's not a blessing. When I got to the lot, it was the exact car I wanted. I've been wanting this car forever. And you're paying 20% interest rate. You're going to be paying all that car for the rest of your life. I cannot want it so bad that I go outside of God's will for my life. I can't want it that bad. I, listen, I can't be so in love with you that I compromise myself. I can't be so in love with you that I, I compromise who I am and who I am with Christ just because I'm so in love with you. I can't compromise. I, listen to me. I, I'm going to say it again. I, I cannot keep giving birth to lies and expect for them to perform as the truth. This is never going to be good for me. 
so here's what we do, right? What, what we do is, we, we, we'll, we'll, because we're so emotionally caught up into it and we wanted it so bad, we'll pervert God's word to fit our truth. What, what, isn't that what Abraham did? The Lord promised us a son, and this is the way to it. No, 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 no. God was very specific. It's going to be with Sarah. The, 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 the seed is going to come from her. Even though she's barren and even though it doesn't look like she's going to be able to give it to you, the seed is coming through her. I cannot give birth to a, a lie and expect for it to perform as the truth. It just does not work. You just want companionship so bad that you're willing to talk to anybody. You've got no standard for yourself, no nothing. I'm just talking to anybody. I love Jesus, and he don't love Jesus, and I'm working on him, girl, and I'm working on him. I'm going to get him better. I, I want you to write this down. I can't keep giving birth to lies and expect for it to perform as the truth. Let's go to this, this week's work. <laughs> Let's do some work for this week. Let's go to verse 3. I just gave you point 2. Let's get to point 3. <clears throat> you there? Verse 3. Verse 3. Verse 3. Yes? You got it, Cody? I know if Cody got it, everybody has it. Let's, let's go. Okay. <clears throat> so he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then, David, then, then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Point number three uh, is, the, is the phrase predetermined position. Say that with me, predetermined position. Now, David being ambushed by the emotions of his men, he moves in the direction uh, to, to, to kill Saul. Um, when you look through scripture and you see the phrase arose, when, when whoever arose, that's a point of decision. They arose because they made a decision. And from the time of David's point of decision to go kill Saul and to the time that he actually reached Saul, there was a check in David's spirit. Because instead of killing Saul or cutting Saul's throat, he cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. He made the decision when he stood up that he was going to kill Saul. He was moved by his emotion or the emotions of his men. He had been ambushed by emotions and he arose and he made the decision to go kill Saul. But by the time he got from where he was to where Saul was, there was a check in David's spirit. And instead of cutting his throat, he cuts a corner of his robe. And here's why. Long before Saul showed up in that cave, David predetermined his position. 
David knew that it was God's providence that had brought him into that cave. So David was never looking for a shortcut out of the cave. When the shortcut showed up, he wasn't even looking for it because he predetermined his position before the shortcut showed up. I could tell that David knew, he knew he was exactly where God wanted him to be because when the shortcut showed up, he wasn't moved. And because he was trusting God, David knew the only thing that I have to do in this moment, and I want you to hear me on this, the only thing that I got to do if I know that I'm on God's providential path for my life, the only thing that I have to do in this moment is stay on the path and wait for the storm to pass. Stay on the path and wait for the storm to pass. You ever, you ever, and maybe this is just me, I hope, maybe you've experienced this. Um, you ever be driving on a highway and you come into a storm? And, and the storm is just so, so bad that you just pull over to the side of the road? And you see other cars just pulling over to the side of the road? I, I pull over to the side of the road because I know that I'm on the right path. I'm not looking for a way around the storm. I'm just going to sit here and wait until the storm pass. That is what David was doing in the moment. He knew that he was in the, on the right path. He even knew that being in his cave was God's providential path for his life. So he understood that this issue, this circumstance, this problem, I'm just going to sit here and wait until it passes. Sometimes I have to wait for my change to come. I have to stand still and wait for the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes I just have to sit here because I know that I'm on the right path. I just got to wait until this storm, this storm, this issue, this problem, this thing pass. Pastor Ponzo, that sounds good, but how you know David did that? Because he didn't say that in the text. I'm glad you challenged me on that. Turn to Psalms 57. <clears throat> 57 1, New King James Version. I'll put it up on the screen if, if you don't have it. Now, I intentionally left the superscription up there for you guys to read it. Do you know what the superscription is of, of, of a psalm? Raise your hand if you know. If you don't know, it's okay because I'm about to tell you. Nothing. Okay. Um, superscription is, 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 is basically giving you the genre of the psalm. It's giving you the mindset of the psalmist. It's giving you the musical arrangement for what you're getting ready to read. So in this one, we get to understand exactly what David was going through and where he was when he wrote this psalm. So you can get the theme of the, of, of the, of the music. You get what I'm saying? That, that is what the superscription does for us. And what's beautiful about this text is simply because we get so much detail. All Psalms don't give you this much detail in the superscription, but we get a lot of it in this one. Watch this, what it says. It says, to the chief musician, set to do not destroy. That's the music I want you playing. When you, when you, when you read in this, when you sing this, set to do not destroy. Yes? It's a miktam of David. When he fled from Saul into the cave. Y'all, this was gold. Okay. 
Y'all want to read it? Watch. He says, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. Listen to this. Until these calamities have passed by. (laughs) Y'all missed it. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. David made the decision before Saul showed up, long before Saul showed up, that God, you are going to be my protection. You are going to be my stronghold. You're going to be my shield. And the only thing that I have to do in this moment, if something gets ready to happen, is wait until it passes by. All I have to do is wait sometimes. You know, the biggest problem that we have, honestly, is waiting on God. Check this out. I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. It It took more faith for David to do this than it took for him to kill Goliath. It takes a real faith based person to wait on the Lord. But the beautiful thing about waiting for the Lord is that he guarantees that he will renew your strength. So that means that everything that you just lost, everything that you gave up, he's going to renew it all if you're willing to wait. Somebody shout, wait. I got to wait on the Lord. He says, listen, he says, until these calamities have passed. I just have to wait until the storm passes. Sometimes he's not going to get, oh God, sometimes he's not going to give me a way out. He just wants me to wait. The hardest thing that I've learned about raising children is waiting until they get it. No, no, no. I told you this yesterday. I just told you yesterday. And you're still doing the same thing. I just told you. The hardest thing in the world to do is wait on a child. It's hard to wait. Listen to me. Oh, gosh, y'all listen to me. We're not wired to wait. Our mental structure is not set up to wait. Everything in this text, everything that David did, and this is why he's so amazing in Scripture, is because he goes against the grain as it relates to what a natural human does. He says, I'm going to sit here and wait until this thing passes. Lord, I trust you to be my shelter. I trust you to be my stronghold. I trust you to be my power. I trust you to be my protection. In your wings I shall hide myself, and I'm just going to sit here and wait. Shall wait. It's funny, I, I'm talking to Cody and Jordan all the time. They're young men, and they're full of energy. Fellas, wait. I don't know if you're hearing this right now, but God wants to teach us to just wait. He says, if you wait on me, I'll, I'll, I'll renew your strength. And here, check this out. I don't personally like waiting myself. 
if, if, if I feel like you're wasting my time, I can't wait. I get antsy. I just start moving. It just, it's, a, it's a bad thing. And specifically, and, and, and I'm working on somebody's house, I'm going to pray for the pastor. Oh, gosh, I need to know. Say, I'm going to pray for the pastor. When I'm in my car and you don't know how to drive and I'm behind you, I don't want to wait. I'm sitting at this lot another 45 seconds because you just wouldn't make your mind up and I don't like waiting. Listen to me. If it gets that granular, if it gets that small, if it gets that insignificant, what about the things that matter in life? Okay, he wasn't done. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Let's get to verse 2. It says, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things. Oh, gosh, y'all. To to God who performs all things for me. That sounds like providence right there. That sounds like he understands that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. He says, to God who performs all things for me, he shall send from heaven and save me. He who reproaches the one who will swallow me up. David says, God is going to fight my battle. And then he says, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Now, Theologians have had a very difficult time at giving us a sound definition for the word Selah. Because it means rest, it means silence, it means peace, but it's a rest and a silence and peace that's associated with a musical interlude. So it is kind of like when a song is going and it's, you know, you, it's rocking and, and, the, and the singers are singing and the beat is going and the harmony is going. And then at this point, Selah means that all the talking stops and then the music just rocks out. You know what I'm saying? So now I want you to picture this. David's scouts go out and they look out and they're in the Engedi and, and, and they look out and they say, well, David, we see Saul and 3,000 men come in our direction. And David says, okay, guys, we're going in that cave. And when David gets inside of that cave, David starts to pray. Listen to what he says. Be merciful to me, oh God. Be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Watch this. Selah. So this is how we stop cutting corners in our cave moment. I must learn to pause and silence myself after I pray so so that my spirit man can apprehend 
the declaration of truth that was just exposed to me through prayer. You see, after I've, I've poured myself out to God, I've got to pause for a moment and serenade my spirit man with the truth of God so that when the lie shows up, I can stand in truth and don't be moved. Watch me now. I have to serenade and I have to saturate my spirit man with truth, the word of God that's been exposed to me and revealed to me through prayer so that when the corner shows up, I don't cut it. And I understand that I'm just going to stand here and wait for it to pass by. So y'all, oh gosh, y'all, I got in the cave with David and I could just see him in the corner just Because David was giving himself to the truth that was revealed to him in his prayer. So when Saul showed up, it wasn't an opportunity because I've already decided I'm standing on the truth and I'm not going to cut a corner. Do you know that you keep cutting corners because you keep falling for the lie? And I'm trying to teach you today that if you just give yourself a moment and pause after you reveal the truth to yourself and just let it serenade your soul. So when the lie shows up, I ain't cutting no corners. I'm saying, listen to me, when you get into your closet, your daily closet, I just got to give myself a minute. After I start to confess to, the, to God who he is to me, after I start to tell him how good he's been to me, after I start to reveal to myself that I have the strength through God who strengthens me. Once I start to give all this truth to myself, I got to pause myself for just one second. Before I get up off my knees, I just got to pause. Because that's the only way that I'm going to be able to stand on the truth. You see, so many of us, Pastor Wanzo, I pray every day and it's not effective. You forgot to say lie. Pastor Wanzel, I'm in my cave moment, and I keep cutting corners. And as a matter of fact, I'm in another cave today because I cut a corner in the last cave that guy had me in. And, and the reason why you can't come out of the cave just yet, because you haven't had your Selah moment. You've got to have a Selah moment when you get into the cave so that you can stand on God's truth. Somebody shout Selah. So, so, so check this out. Keep going, keep going. Some of the commentary I read when it comes to the word Selah. It is, it is a pause in singing, but the musicians go crazy. They just go crazy. I'm about to give you 30 seconds of a Selah moment. Well, Pastor Wanzo, I ain't said no prayer. No, no, just remember back. <laughs> just go back to yesterday. Just go back to the day that you thought you was going to lose your life. Just go back to the day that he delivered you. I just need you to go back for two or three seconds. So I'm about to give you 30 seconds of a Selah moment so you can make sure that you serenade yourself with the truth of God. Let's go, let's go, let's go.
I'm going to tell you that it's not that your prayers aren't effective. It's not effective. But oftentimes your prayers are contingent upon you standing on the truth that you just came in contact with. I got to learn to stand on the truth. Somebody shout Selah. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't allow the truth to get down to your soul, the enemy will rob you of it. You're praying all of the right things. You're saying all of the right words but it ain't made its way down to your soul yet. Listen, y'all, I got to believe this thing with every bone in my body. I got to know that he's a real God. He's a saving God. He's a miracle-working God. I've got to know these things. And if I don't know him, I got to know. I can't just say it. I shout, Selah. Let's get more. We ain't done yet. Go to verse 4. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner, and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Point number four uh, is this phrase, convicted by a corner. Somebody shout convicted by a corner. David makes his way over to Saul. Pulls out his sword, (laughs) and the unthinkable happens. David doesn't kill Saul. He cuts off a corner of his robe. And to make matters worse, by the time he gets over to his men, um, he feels this remorse. He, he feels convicted by what he's done. And his, his men are like, dude, you, you, you didn't kill him. What happened? You know, this was our moment. And David was like, listen, I, 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 I don't know. I, I couldn't do it in that moment. And, and his men just don't understand. And they keep telling him, like, David, you cut off a corner of his robe and you feel bad. He deserves so much more. He deserves for you to kill him. And you feel bad about cutting off a corner of his robe? David, this don't make no sense to me, man. And, and David says to his men, yeah, yeah, I realize it was a corner, but I understand that that corner was an extension of the man himself. I understand that I cut off a corner. But I also understand that that corner that I cut off was an extension of the man himself. <laughs> 
You see, Saul's robe represented his position. And it was as if David was cutting off a piece of his position when he cut off a piece of the robe and his men could not understand. You didn't do anything wrong. But David knew better in his heart. He says, listen, I'm convicted by cutting off this robe because it is as, it is as if I just cut off a piece of the man himself. Can I bring it home to you? We like to give ourselves a lot of credit because we don't give people what they deserve. But you don't account for all of the corners that you've cut off of that person. Oh, they deserve for you to kill them. But you cut a corner. And you feel good because you didn't kill them. But you got a closet full of corners. Somebody shall convicted by a corner. You ever cut off the corner of someone's character in a conversation with someone else to make yourself get influenced with that person? Somebody shall convicted by a corner. You ever criticize someone when they're not there just to make yourself look good? Somebody shall convicted by a corner. David, listen to me, y'all, and this is why David in Scripture is, is called to be a man after God's own heart. This is the reason why he has that title. It's because David was, 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 was able to be convicted by just a corner. He was, he was convicted by the one thing he knew that he should not have said, and he could have said a whole lot more, but the one thing that he got out of his mouth that he knew he, sh he should have kept in his mouth, if it got out and it slipped out, he was convicted by that little corner. We walk around here like we so holier than thou because we ain't killed nobody as, as, as it relates to what we could say to them. But all of the corners that you got inside your closet that you didn't cut off everybody that you know is what you should be convicted by. David, you should have killed. He deserves to be killed. David, don't you know what he did to you? And David come back, man, I should have never done this. I should have never done I should have never done this. Listen to me. God wants us to get so sensitive to his presence in our life that we're convicted by a corner. He wants us to be so convicted that we say, I know I shouldn't have done this. I should have never said those words. I should have never had that thought. Listen to me, if you look over the span of David's life, you will find that David was at his best when he allowed himself to be convicted by a corner. I'm not talking about Bathsheba, David. <laughs> that David wasn't convicted by a corner. But David in the cave that knew he couldn't get himself out of it. Convicted by a corner. Listen, the people, oh gosh, watch this, watch this. The people around you won't even understand you. They won't even understand. You could have said this and you said that. Don't you know they've been treating you this way for so long? Don't you know that it is warranted for you to say this? Yes, but I understand 
that God's providence has me in this place at this time, and he is sovereign. He has me here for a reason, and I cannot betray the God that has nudged me and kept me and brought me to this place by cutting a corner off that person. Cutting just a corner. I oftentimes think about kids, and this is how parents cut a corner. Cody and I talk about, he does a good job with conversating with, with his two-year-old son. He does it way more than I think he should, honestly. He's, he's conversing. He's like having a conversation. He's trying to make him understand. But when I know that I'm supposed to have a conversation, and I cut the conversation out, I cut the corner of the conversation, and I start to yell at him, I need to be convicted by that corner. When, 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 I, when, I, when, I, when I've told my spouse 45 times and I walk in the house and they've done it again and I let myself go, I need to be convicted by that corner. Watch me, y'all. You need to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that a corner convicts you. Okay, I'm going to give y'all a good one. <clears throat> How you doing, girl? I think it was Thursday. No, Friday. I'm on my way to the church. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. Yes, yeah, 4 o'clock. Um, and I'm headed up to the church. And on my way, and it's dark. So um, a car passing me on a dark road, in my defense, it's a dark road. They were blinking their lights. I came over this hill, and they were just blinking their lights. And I looked at the car. Like, Why are you blinking your lights? And as soon as I came across the hill, there was like three dogs there. And I smacked one of those dogs. I smacked the dog. I did. I feel, I feel bad. But I saw the dog kind of jet off, so I kept going here to the church and I step out my car and my car is done. You see, I didn't drive my car to church today. My car was done. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is, what is going on? So I called Jordan. I said, Jordan, um, see if I killed the dog. <laughs> see, see what happened. So he calls me at back and he says, uh, yeah, dad, look like you. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's big and black over there, dad. I don't know, but that's okay. So now I'm worried. Nobody would know that I've killed this dog except for me and God. So then I call my wife, and we conversing on the phone. Like, so, so now I've read, I've Googled. You know, Google is going to tell you everything. And it's going to tell you stuff you don't necessarily need to know. I Googled it, and it's, it's, in a, it's, 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 it's a legal offense. Did you, know that, did, you, did you know that you could go to jail if you hit a dog and kill it and drive away from the scene? It's called a hit and run. I had no idea. So now, here's the way my mind, they're going to put me in jail. <laughs> Could you imagine what the headline looks like? Pastor of Truth Movement Church is in jail for killing a dog. So now I'm contemplating, well, do I even go back? Like, nobody's going to know it's with me. But y'all, I was studying this thing about David cutting a corner. And God said, well, Wanzel, are you about to cut a corner? I got back in my car. 
I drove back to the scene. I called the police, and everything worked out fine. You should clap for that. Yeah, praise God. That was Jesus. <laughs> Listen to me. I give you that whole example about how, how, how granular and how minute God wants us to be about cutting corners. It's the little lies. You know we rank lies. Like, there's a certain threshold of lies that just don't count. That was a lie, but it's not a lie that will put me in hell. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. God wants us to get down into that muck and, and, and determine that every lie that I tell is cutting a corner. He wants us to be convicted by the little things in life. Y'all, God has, got, God has got me sometimes where I walk past a piece of paper and the Holy Spirit says, you better go back and get it. I didn't put that paper there. A thousand people has walked past that same piece of paper. Why I got to go back and get it? But listen to me, y'all. God wants to see if I'm going to cut a corner. Because I can't trust you. <laughs> I can't trust you with the palace. If you're going to cut corners. If, listen to me. You, I can't trust you in that relationship if you want. You desperately, you desire to be in relationships so bad. But God is saying, girl, you keep cutting corners. And you think you're going to stop cutting corners when you meet him. But the corners are only going to get bigger because of him. So now... He wants us to get, he wants us to get very overly concerned about cutting corners. It should weigh heavy on your heart about the little things. God, I'm sorry. And that was the beautiful thing about David. David had no problem with saying, Lord, I have jacked this up. He will run back into God's presence. Make sure that he got himself clean. Lord created me a clean heart. Renew right spirit. He, he would make sure that he did everything he had because David couldn't stand cutting corners. And when David was at his worst, read the text, read scripture, he cut corners. The biggest corner, one of the biggest corners he ever cut was Bathsheba. He cut a corner. No, David, you're married. <laughs> no, 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 David, you're married and that's somebody else's wife. I'm just going to cut a corner. They won't know. Send them out front, y'all. But, but listen to me. God will make sure that you're convicted by that corner. Okay. Are y'all getting anything from what I'm saying? Let's get this last point. Let's get number five. Let's go to verse five for number five. I didn't do that on purpose. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch up my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Point number five, final point for today, uh, is the phrase appointed circumstances. 
say it with me, appointed circumstances. In explaining why he cut the corner and why it has such an effect on him, David brings this concept up to his men um, that I think we have a difficult time grasping. He says in verse 6, the Lord forbid, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch up my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. We know by reading the text that Saul was a bad king. And he meant his desire, his, his, his life's goal at this point was to bring harm to David. But David's position is such a special one because he, he saw this thing in a different way that, that, that we don't tend to understand. He, he, he understood that even though that this thing is bad and it may be bringing me harm, God is using this thing to perfect me. It doesn't feel good. It, he, he is not treating me right. It is unfair. This is a bad situation. This is a bad circumstance. But God is using this thing to perfect me. And I realized that I just cut the corner of something that God has appointed. I just cut the corner off of something that God has appointed. I want you to get this, and, 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 and I don't want to, to challenge your theology and, and, and all these different things, but David understood that even though Saul was bad, he was no good, he meant him harm, that God had anointed him, which in turn means that he was appointed in David's life. He was appointed to be in David's life. And sometimes God appoints situations and circumstances in your life to perfect you. So David after he cuts the corner off of, off of Saul's robe, he says, listen to me, I, God forbid I do something like this because I just cut the corner off of something God has appointed. He understood that when he cut off a corner of Saul's robe, he was in effect rebelling against God. Mm, Y'all not catching this. He was in effect rebelling against God because if God appointed it and I rebel against it, I'm not just rebelling against the situation, the circumstance, or the person. I'm rebelling against God himself. How many situations, circumstances, and events of your life have you cut corners in? How many... Have you said, I'm sidestepping this? 
going to find a better way out of this. I'm walking away from this. And, and, and you cut the corner to get yourself out of the cave. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that when you cut the corner of something God has appointed in your life, I'm picking a fight with God. So now I not only have to deal with the mess that I'm in, I got to fight against God. And there's not a person in scripture that I've ever read that want to fight against God. Ask Jonah. I want us to see that there are some times in our life that God will appoint a situation to perfect you. <laughs> he will appoint somebody on your job that gets on your last nerve to perfect you. God wants to see how you're going to handle the appointed things in your life. Because if you cut a corner there, what happens when I give you what I got for you? What happens? There are many of us here today are not just dealing with our cave moment. We're dealing with God and the cave moment. I'm, I'm trying to make this thing easy for you. Don't cut a corner. Because if I cut a corner in something that God has appointed, I'm only, only got, I not only got to deal with that, I got to deal with God. Stand to your feet. If you got your phones out, I want you to write this down and I want this, this, this to be in your head. Whenever I replace what God has put in place, it makes me an enemy of God. Whenever I replace what God has put in place, it makes me an enemy of God. <clears throat> How often am I cutting a corner in a circumstance? How often am I cutting a corner in my finances? How often am I cutting a corner in my family? How often am I cutting a corner in my relationships? And when I do, I make myself an enemy of God. I want to pray with you today um, that as you leave this place, You have the tools to, to make the right decision in those cave moments of life. One thing I know to be true about life is that um, either you just came out of a cave or you're getting ready to go into a cave. And I want to make sure that you have the tools to give God the proper response in the cave. Amen. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.